We are in part two of a series called, What Does a Successful Life Look Like? What does it look like? When I was a child, a successful life was a life of a professional athlete. My brother and I agreed that we wanted to grow up and be black and bald. We're big Michael Jordan fans. I only achieved half of my goal. Uh, but as a child, it was to be a professional athlete. As I became older, uh, I wanted to be rich and play golf all day long. And uh, I got, uh, I've been, I got fired about a thousand times. You guys heard my, my testimony. I've been fired from Olive Garden, Chili's, any restaurant you can think of, Carabas. I know the menu of all of them. I don't even need to ask for a menu. I just, I, I know them all. Been fired at every single restaurant. My first serious job was at Wood Forest Bank. And uh, I had been fired so many times prior to that, um, that when they fired me, uh, they fired me like 48 hours after I started. I, I didn't even ask why. I just stood up and walked out. It was just such a pattern. Finally, I said, why? I was like, you know, this is a serious job. I, I wanted to keep this job because I had like 20 aprons, honest to God truth, 20 aprons in my back seat. Not 20, maybe about five. I was exaggerating, about five. Five aprons, cassoulet. Anyone ever eat at cassoulet? I bet I've worked at them all. And I thought to myself, man, I didn't want to get fired from this job. I like, I like the bank. This is a, this is a good job. I was 19 years old. And, uh, and, and the guy, I said, why are you firing me? And he said, he goes, son, anytime someone calls you son, brace yourself. He goes, son, you fell asleep during the training videos. I was like, right. Yeah. You got me. You got me. Got me. Uh, I actually came back the next day and asked for my check because those videos were like seven hours. I'm like, you're going to pay me for that. <laughs> you know, but um, true story, which is ironic because one of my closest friends <laughs> ended up being the president of Wood Forest Bank. It was crazy. Um, never told him that story. Um, because you probably would have went in there and closed my account or something crazy like that. But, uh, but what is success? I used to drive around looking at big houses thinking that's what success is right there. Um, or go to nice restaurants and see nice cars. I'm like, that is success right there. And as I've become older, I've, I've dialed in exactly what success is not. But I have had the toughest time trying to figure out what success is is. Um, if you say success is having a lot of money, I know that's not the case. Success is having, you know, um, being, having muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I know that's not the case. Like, I know, I know that's not, but what is success? And it's been frustrating me. It's kind of like going to a restaurant and the waiter says, what would you like to eat? And you say, well, I don't want a hamburger. Okay. Well, what do you want? Well, I don't know. It, and that's that's the season that I felt my life in for a while. But I felt like the Lord just a few weeks ago downloaded to me what success is, what the pillars are, what the cornerstones are to where I can lay my head down every night and just did I check every single box? Did I check every single box? And, uh, and I want to share them with you. I'm, uh, I'm only going to talk about the second one today because I talked about the first one uh, last week. Um, I'll talk about the third one next week. Um, but let me just kind of cover them in summary. Number one is time with your family. 
time with your family. Um, sometimes you'll be able to spend in quantity, and other times it will only be quality. Uh, depends on what season you're in. But time with your family. Um, at the end of your life, you need to be able to rest and know that you spent both quality and quantity with your family to the very best of your ability. Uh, if you end up doing a hundred things in the world that were great and awesome, but you did not spend time with your family, you will live a regretful life. Number two, and this is the one I'm going to unpack today, is time with the Lord. It's time praying. Uh, Number three is cultivating your God-given gifts and opportunities. Um, God-given gifts. Uh, There's an opportunity right now. uh, I could go down the street and get a job at a snow cone stand. There's opportunities everywhere. But to recognize that this is a God opportunity. This is what God has called me to do. This is, this is where I'm supposed to work. And this is the job I'm supposed to have. And these are the skills I'm supposed to use. You're going to be held accountable to use those skills, talents, and abilities. You'll be held accountable for that. And, uh, and number four, and by the way, uh, come back next week if you're the person that's sitting here going, I want to, but I don't know what job is right for me. Come back next week and, um, and, and we'll unpack that. That'll be part of uh, what we talk about. Number four is did your life give great importance to the Great Commission? Did you give great importance to the Great Commission? And, and every single night you just lay down and say, can I check all four of those boxes? Can I check all four of those boxes? Just the other night I lay down. I was like, I spent some time. If you have 17 people alive in, in your immediate family, your aunt, your uncle, your father, your mother, your da- son, daughter, and just say, you know, I spent some good quality time. Maybe it was a quality text message, a quality phone call. But to lay down and say, I've checked all, all four boxes today. Uh, at the end of your life, you're going to say, I mean, I lived, a, I lived a successful life. Let me talk about spending time with God. Because what you learn in the presence of God, you cannot learn in the presence of man. There's, there's an anchor that, that gets put into your soul when you pray. That when the storm comes, and the storm will come, you are anchored. Other people may crumble, you will stand strong. The storm will come, you will cry, but you will not have sorrow like the world has sorrow. You'll have this embedded hope, this hidden expectation inside of you. Uh, I want to talk about um, a prayer because prayer does three things. Number one is it gives you victory. Uh, Number two is it gives you insight. And number three, it unlocks the unimaginable. Let me talk to you about getting victory. When you have something in your life that is overwhelming you, when you are in a battle in your life, you are battling for your marriage. You are battling for your health. Your son is being bullied at school and you don't know what to do about it. Uh, You are battling. And this is something I've learned and all of you guys know. Every one of us in this room is fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And when you battle, how do you battle? Do you stress? Do you not sleep? Do you try harder? Do you get more aggressive? How do you battle? When the stress comes, how do you battle? I want to say this in Psalms 56, 9. It says, every 
single time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every single time you pray, sometimes it'll be a one-word prayer. Sometimes it'll be a one-hour prayer. Sometimes it'll be a one-minute prayer. But every single time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time. I want you to know you can pray in your head. You can pray in your heart. But praying out loud when you are able is necessary. It is necessary. You can't think all of your prayers. The only time you should think your prayers is when you are not able to pray out loud. If you're sitting in a boardroom and you need to pray, I don't recommend you saying, praise your name. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend if you're in high school and you're walking down the hall. I don't recommend you going, glory to God. Don't recommend it. But I recommend that if you are able to pray out loud, when you're in the car, take your cell phone, throw it underneath your seat, make your car a moving sanctuary. It's, 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 it, it, if you pray, every single time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. C.S. Lewis said, it's not the load that breaks you. It's how you carry it. It's if we carry the load alone, if you carry the loan, a load with a closed mouth, you can expect that load to bring you down. You can expect to go through seasons of depression. You can expect to just be an angry person. It's not the load that breaks you. It's how you carry it. You know, it's, it's a fascinating thing whenever we open up the Bible and we begin to see wisdom and knowledge that God has given us. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man of Elth much. Everybody say fervent. Come on. Say it fervently. One, two, three. Fervent prayer. A fervent prayer. It doesn't matter what you pray, just as long as you pray fervently. It's, it's, it would be better for you to say the same word over and over again in your prayer that as long as it's a fervent word, then to pray 800 words non-fervently. It's Charles Spurgeon said this, a prayer that is prayed not fervently is like hunting with a dead dog. Wow. You can pray for your Fruit Loops in the morning calmly if you would like. Thank you, Lord, for the Fruit Loops. <laughs> Blessed unto my body, which I don't understand that prayer. I know this bowl is full of sugar, but bless it under my body anyway. Does anyone here say, bless it under my body? Bless this Cinnabon under my body. Just let it be, let, let it look good when I'm wagging it around. Just, just bless it. Bless it under my body. Bless it under my body. Or don't let me use that example in the third service. Just bless it. Bless it. If it's going to be there, let it be good. Let it look good, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me. It's, it's, this, it's this fervently. Let me just share with you a fervent prayer of a righteous man. It shifts the battle. It shifts the battle. You say, I'm not good at praying. If you can talk, you can pray. Just say, thank you, Jesus. 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 You know, there's a guy named Moses who was fighting a huge battle. And the Lord said, you want to win this battle? I want you to get away from those people. Get away from everybody. See, you got to get away from people. 
You, you got to get away from people. You, you got to have that appointment. You say, I don't have time to have an appointment. You can always wake up earlier. Yeah. Is this on? You can always wake up earlier. But Moses had a battle on his hands and the Lord says, get away from people. Get away, get away, get away, get away. And I want you to go up on that mountain and I want you to raise your hands and worship me. And so he just raised his hands and worship and down low he could see his army fighting another army. And when he raised his hands, he could see his army was overtaking the enemy. He could see there was momentum. But then when he brought his hands down because he was tired, he brought his hands down. He could see that the enemy started overtaking his own people. So he raised his hands again and all of a sudden he could see his army overtaken the other army. It's a scary thing when weariness overtakes tenacity. When you just get tired. I don't know if you've ever just been tired. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing. You can be doing the right thing, the good thing, moms. Hello, you're doing the right thing, but you're tired. You're just tired. That's why life groups are so important because you got to be able to sit in a room and just I'm tired. I've been going to the same life group for the last three years. I like talking with the guys. I'm just tired. And all of a sudden, Moses put his hands down. He didn't know what to do because he knew every time I pray, I'm watching the battle is turning right before me. Angels in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, it says that angels... It, uh, defend and fight for the heirs of salvation. Angels, when you raise your hand, here come angels come. You stop praying, all of a sudden they just slow down. Pray, pray, pray. Moses didn't know what to do. I'm tired. And all of a sudden, some friends came around him and just said, "Well, you just we'll hold your hands up for you." Right. See, sometimes you just need some friends to hold your hands up for you. When you and I were in high school, we were surrounded by friends. And now that we're adults, we can't buy one. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but you got to make you got to make time to find a friend that'll hold up hands. You don't need everybody to love you. You just need a couple good people. Somebody say amen to that. You just need a couple good people. I don't need all y'all. I just need one or two y'all. That's bad English, good theology. <laughs> all y'all. My, my, my mother-in-law just moved down for about the next six months. Why don't you stand up, Jill, and wave at everybody. Mother-in-law from Vancouver, Canada. She, she, she's, she talks like the queen. You know, everything is proper, and she likes to sip tea. So she can go to the University of Texas. I would just... <laughs> it just got awkward. Um... But we're trying to teach her how to talk like a, a Texan. So we just say, you just kind of pull it all together. All y'all, all y'all, y'all, y'all come back now. You're here. It's just all one. What just one word is just a whole sentence. Ain't, ain't got no learning in your head, do you? Ain't got no learning. Uh, all y'all come back here and tea. If you order water, it comes in a glass this big. You order Dr. Pepper, it's a glass this big. You order some tea. Now we're going to bring you a big old bowl of it. That's it. But here, here's the thing, how, how you communicate, and how you talk with the Lord, as long as it's got fervency to it, that's, that's how you win your battles. That's why I love that song so much. This is how we win our battles. Some of us have been fighting the same battle for years. Well, don't fight it that way anymore. Pick a different way to fight it. 
Fight it with tenacity. And then there's insight. You know, whenever we pray, we get this insight that we didn't have before. Insight that's almost perplexing. If you read the scriptures, Paul and Silas were going to go preach in this in particular city. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go preach to those people. It sounds like a good thing. It looks like a good thing. Logically, it makes sense. But the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you, you got to have the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit, don't go there. Go there. It will give you insight. It will move you and shape you and point you in different directions. Let me share a few thoughts with you about insight. Insight not only gives you direction, but it also gives you insight on God's love. Paul used to say this. He goes, I'm praying that you will know how wide the love of God is. I'm praying that you will know how broad it is, how deep it is, how high it is. I want you to know how much he loves you. I want you to know because sometimes we can live our whole life and God just feels like he's a million miles away. But if we could just have that moment of insight to go, oh my goodness, nobody has ever loved you more than God has. I had a moment with the Lord um, last year. I talked about it once before. I don't like talking about it very much because it was so real to me that my words just, it, 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 it's, they don't represent what happened adequately. But I was sleeping. And while I was sleeping, I, the Lord was like right where those projectors are, like right above me. And I was kind of laying down, but I wasn't on a bed. And and uh, I couldn't quite see him, but I knew he was there. And all around me, I could feel this love. And I've been trying to describe how it was all around me. It was so deep. It was so far. It was like, as far as space, as far as space goes, his love went. I, I just knew I was in the middle of it all. And, and I've described it before on how it just felt like it was just wrapped around me. And, and it's always coming up shallow. My, my adjectives just keep on coming up shallow to describe it. Let me try this one. I've never tried this before. But you know in the Texas heat, the humidity, it's just you can't touch it. But it's almost like it's just seeping into you. It's just, it's just everywhere. You can almost, it's so thick you can almost touch it, but you can't. I remember just, and I was crying because I've never felt anything like this before and I didn't want to move. And while I was laying there, I was just crying, crying, crying. I, in my mind's eye, I, I pictured Allie, Presley, Luke, and Kate. I could see them, my family. And I don't love anything in the world more than I love them. I love them more than I love me. And I kept on saying to them, I'll trade them. I'll trade them. Just let me stay right here. I don't, want, I don't want to go back. Just let me stay right here. Just let me stay right here. I don't want to go back. Just let me stay right here. Just right here. And I've always had this fear about going to heaven. I know this sounds crazy, but I have. Because I don't know what I'm going to do forever. <laughs> Has anyone ever had that fear? I'm like, I'm looking forward to flying. But I can only look at the planet so many times before I'm like, okay, I'm still going to be here forever. And, and it dawned on me while I was there, if all I did forever and ever and ever and ever and ever is just be in this 
moment of love. That would be good. I, I would be okay with that. And I just felt it just for a second. That's why Paul said, oh, I wish, I wish. It's so wide. It's so high. It's so deep. I wish you knew the love of God. That's what, that's what prayer does. It gives you insight. Yes, it changes the battle. Yes, it gives you victory. Yes, if you're fighting health issues, you just call on God because there's three levels of praying while you're praying. You ask, and if that doesn't work, you start seeking, which means you keep on asking over and over again. And if that doesn't work, you just start banging on things. You start knocking until you cannot be ignored anymore. And you just keep on worshiping so Yes, you get the victory, but the insight of knowing his love. And once you begin to get a, a glimpse, all of a sudden holiness matters. And insight to holiness all of a sudden matters. See, holiness is when you have been set apart for an honorable use. It's like, I, I don't use, does anyone here have China? Anyone here have China in your house? When I grew up, China was a big deal. Only rich people had China. Now we take China and put it in the attic. And it's... it's China. You don't actually use China. You look at China. Some of you are like, what's China? I know. It's a weird name for plates. <laughs> China. It's bowls with designs on it, basically. And, and you don't use those plates every day. You use those plates for, for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and that's it. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, and it's, it's, it's for something special. And when the Lord looks at you, he says, I, I'm, I've set you aside for something special. That's, that's holiness. I've set you aside for something special. And, and when people who pursue holiness, they say, if you've set me aside for something special, I'm going to set myself aside for something special. I, I'm not going to live like everybody else lives. I'm not going to think like everybody else thinks. I'm not going to dress like everybody else dress. I'm not going to talk. I want to, I'm going to set myself aside for holiness. See, there's different levels of holiness. Holiness on the first level is, is when you acknowledge there's a need for holiness. Yeah, I, I can see clearly that if you're going to love God, um, you, you need to set yourself apart. You, you see a need for it. And then there's the next stage where not only do you see a need for it, but then you begin to pursue it. I'm going to, my whole life, I'm going to pursue holiness. That's the second level. And then the third level, you're not pursuing it, you prefer it. Now that's something totally different. I remember when I was growing up, I used to love going to vending machines and getting the, the red coconut zingers. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. The red coconut zingers. If you've never had them, you're not missing a whole lot, but I used to pound them. And, and if there were no red coconut zingers, then I would eat the honey buns. Anyone, come on, raise your hand if you had those honey buns. I, 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 now that I'm a little bit older, I look at the package and I'm like, I think they made this like seven years ago, but it's still good. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can make a Cinnabon or a cinnamon bun, a, a honey bun seven years ago. Just put it in a wrapper. It's okay. Just eat it. <laughs> I don't know how that can happen, but I used to love that stuff. And, and the snowballs, have you ever had the snowballs where... Come on, raise your hand at me. Come on. It's, it's like a, it's like a, a cupcake kind of thing covered with stuff. Come on. Some of you are trying to act like you've never eaten bad in your life. Come on. Don't lie. We're in church. We're in church. We can lie about it. It's just, it's, there's things in that vending machine. I used to love. I saved my money up for it. 
My first date was in a lunchroom and I bought a girl some zingers. I was like, you know I like you now. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't buy zingers for just anybody. I got you the coconut zingers. Ching, ching, ching. Um, it's proud of myself. Had a whole little zippy purse thing. It would change, lots of change in it. And, uh, but I remember that. Now, now you can't, if it was the only thing on earth, I don't think I'd eat it. Because I'm like, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I put it into my mouth. Is it going to stay, is it going to come alive in me? Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes if you eat something, I think, I think it came alive. It's moving. It's moving in there. It's, uh, it, now, it's, it, now I don't prefer it. Do you see what I'm saying? My appetite has changed so much, I don't prefer it. That's what happens with holiness. And that's the insight that prayer gives you. You can try to not pray your whole life, but you will limp. You will limp. Some of you that know how to pray, which only means that you've done it a lot. Don't try to teach yourself how to live without prayer. Don't try to teach yourself how to do that. Don't try to become independent. Don't try to become mature. Oh, the, 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 children, the, the kingdom of God is, is uh, children understand it better than adults. Let me tell you something. You experience the presence of God and it will ruin you. The presence of God will ruin you because from that moment forward for the rest of your life, nothing else will satisfy you. And I want to challenge you to, to go home and say, God, I, 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 want, I, I want to experience what the preacher talked about. If, if, there is a, if there is a presence that I can experience that can ruin me to where nothing else can satisfy you. Because some of you in this room, nothing else satisfies you right now. And so now there's just a hollow. Life is just hollow. Because you haven't felt his presence yet. And say, oh God. If there's one thing I do every single day, hell is going to celebrate the day I die. Because I am going to worship and I am going to pray because this is how I battle. Number three, it unlocks the unimaginable. There's a guy in, in the book of Enoch where it, the Bible says, that Enoch walked with God. And I've heard that scripture a thousand times. But just the other day it dawned on me. That the Bible didn't say that God walked with Enoch. It says that Enoch walked with God. That means God was in the lead. It, it, it wasn't God following around Enoch and, God, and Enoch saying I need you to bless this. You see what I'm doing? I need you to bless it. I need you to take care. No, no, no. It's, it's the other way around. This is Enoch waking up in the morning saying, all right, God, what are we doing today? What are we talking about? What do you want to talk about today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Enoch had a job just like you and I. Sometimes I wash the dishes in my house and when I'm scrubbing them, I'm like, dear God, I want you to scrub my heart just like this. I want you to set me aside just like this. When I'm driving the car, I'm passing trees. I'm like, God, I want to pass problems like I'm passing trees. Everything you do, everything you do is with the Lord. Everything. 
Hear me say this. Some of us, and I got to circle back to this point. Some of us have taught ourselves how to live without prayer. Oh, we can't do that because that's when we learn to think that struggle is normal. Struggle is not normal. Battling is normal. But when you battle, it's, it's kind of like uh, to, to Kate, my, my Kate, she's four. When we go to the beach, not Galveston, I said a beach. <laughs> we, we go to the beach she can't handle the waves at all. She can't handle the waves. Right? When I stand there, I, I'm just, I can handle waves. See, the, the waves haven't gotten lighter. I've just gotten stronger. See, when you pray and you battle, the battle doesn't get lighter. You just get stronger. Do you ever look at, 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 at uh, seniors, people that are 75 and older? They still have battles. They got different battles. They're just fighting, praying about this, praying about that, praying about this, praying about that. Pray, pray. And, and, and you just say, how are you so peaceful and kind still? The battle hasn't gotten easier. They got stronger. This is what happens when we spend time in the presence of God. This is what happens. This is how we battle. This is what this series is about. You lay down at night. Did I find somebody in my family to spend a moment with? Maybe it's quality. Maybe it's quantity. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But you lay down. Check. Did I spend time with the creator of the universe. Can you believe that you can have a personal conversation with the creator of the universe? Then it gives you insight and causes victory and unlocks unimaginable experiences. Wow. You check. Man, that's huge. I'll talk to you about three and four in the upcoming weeks. Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If your heart were to stop beating in the next few minutes, are you ready to see the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? The Bible says that his return will be like a twinkling of an eye. You blink your eyes. No man knows. The Bible says he'll come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Go ahead, raise your hand real high. That's it. Hands are going up all over the room. Can we all just raise both hands as a sign of surrender? Let's fervently, all of us fervently say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me, Lord? I want to be close to you. Say, I want to be close. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's no official discipline.